this is Mocha Santis for kids. And then next slide would be great. So today we have a presentation from Dr. Wynn at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. So please welcome her. And I don't know if you guys came to her meeting like a few months ago and she came and presented to us and it was a really fun presentation. So please welcome her. And if you have any questions, just feel free to ask them in the chat. So thank you so much, Dr. Wynn, for joining us. Yep, no problem. Thanks for inviting me back. Uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Again, uh, as Sarah said, my name is Lisa Ng. I am from the National Institute of Standards and Technology, which is in Gaithersburg, Maryland, uh, down the street from the Quince Orchard High School, if you know that area. And today we're going to talk about ventilation, filtration, and saving energy for better indoor spaces. Uh, on this slide here, you see a sketch of the net zero house. This is a test house we have on campus. Uh, it looks like a normal house, and I'll get to show you a little bit about the inside. So we'll use this as one as to talk about energy and indoor quality, as well as schools, since that's a, that's a really big topic right now. So again, if you have any questions, put in the chat, uh, since I can't see all of your videos while I'm also uh, presenting. So first, I want to talk a little bit about myself. Uh, I am a scientist, but I also am a well-rounded human being, so I want to talk a little bit about myself. Talk about the net zero house as you saw in the first slide as well as saving energy and then lastly we're going to talk really generally about ventilation and filtration these are terms you might have heard in the news or through the ncp's website or your teachers and i just want to explain a little more about what they're talking about okay so i was born in taiwan it's a little island off the coast of china and i came to the united states when i was two and I went to Drexel University as my college. So I am wearing a Drexel sweatshirt currently. I went there for my undergraduate as an architectural engineer, which is a very specialized form of mechanical engineering. There's not many universities that actually have this major, which is one of the reasons why I went to Drexel. So I went to Drexel for my undergraduate degree, my bachelor's in science, and then I went back to Taiwan to live there for two years and also work as a mechanical engineer in a architectural firm. So I learned a lot there, not just about my career, but about culture. Since I grew up in the United States, I was not really familiar with Taiwanese culture, but I loved it. It was a great contrast and I learned a lot. So if any of you in the future have a chance to go overseas, whether or not it be in the country of your origin or country in which you know the language, I would encourage you to do that post pandemic, of course, when it is safe, uh, but it's great to have that cultural exchange and broaden your horizons. So after I went to Taiwan, I thought, hmm, maybe I want to go back to school. And so I went back to Drexel University for my PhD. Uh, this was a five-year study. I did not get my master's degree, so I went straight from bachelor's degree to my PhD. And I went back because I had, there was new professors, and my new professor was studying indoor air quality, which is what I do now. So I am at the National Institute of Standards and Technology. It is part of the government, the US Department of Commerce, and we do things like determine time very specifically, determine weight very specifically. We also do engineering applications like what I do, which is indoor air quality. So I have a family, I have a husband, I have two kids, 
This was us at Disney in 2019. I can't wait to go back to Disney. I also have two dogs, Coco and Jasper. They're currently upstairs probably napping. And I like to do things such as run. So here are my two kids with me after a one mile run. They're very happy receiving their medals. I'm also a troop leader for Girl Scouts for my daughter's Girl Scout troop. And we are currently second grade brownies. So if any of you were Girl Scouts when you were younger or still are, shout out to you. Shout out to my runners as well who are in the, uh, in the session today. So here I am running the half marathon in Philly with my husband. We hope to do it again this year if it's safe to travel, uh, but we'll see what happens. So here is a picture of the Net Zero House. It is in Gaithers, Mar Gaithersburg, Maryland. So it's on our campus. So you have to be registered as a visitor to come in. But I invite all of you to come. Post pandemic, we used to have lots of tours with kids, Girl Scout troops, um, science clubs. So you know, let's see what happens in the future. I would love to have you there. It is four bedrooms, three baths. So it is a pretty comfortable sized house. And it also has a conditioned basement. And if you look at the house, it doesn't really look like a lab and inside is not really a lab. And the reason we did this is because we wanted to show people that you can be net zero energy, but also live in a nice house. You don't have to live in a cave or a lab. So I want you guys to use the chat. What kind of energy saving technologies do you see in the picture? All right, I see Jeff Joseph said solar panels. That's correct. So on the very top here, I hope you can see it uh, with the with the uh, WebEx bar in the way. But on the top of the roof is a 10.2 kilowatt solar panel array, and it transfers solar energy into electricity. On the lower panel over here, these might not be as obvious because they're not used very much anymore but these are called solar thermal collectors. And what they do is they convert the sun's energy into hot water. Now, what we found over time is that solar thermal is expensive, but the cost of photovoltaics, the ones on the top roof are getting cheaper and cheaper. And so people are opting to put in more solar panels to then power their hot water instead of buying a separate hot water system. Other things that you can't see are high efficiency air conditioner heaters, as well as energy saving windows. The windows have a very high resistance. So if you sit by the windows here in the Nets your house, you're not gonna feel a draft. Uh, there's also um, thick insulation in the walls. And so that keeps the house nice and cozy in the winter and nice and cool in the summer, as well as these shading features, which helps keep out the sun, the direct sun during the summer months. Is there a generator? Uh, Sarah asked, no, there is no generator on site. Uh, we also don't store our energy in a battery. So when the panels are covered in ice, when it's nighttime, uh, when, it's, when, it's, uh, when it's fog, when it's, when it's cloudy out, our solar panels won't work as well. And we have to rely on the electricity from Pepco. So we are connected to those electricity lines in case we don't have enough photovoltaic power. A very good question. Uh, and we have not lost power because of storms yet, because we are connected to a to the campus electricity. If the campus electricity goes down, it has a generator, so we run off of that. 
All right, so I will not show you this website, but it is included in the handouts and you will probably get the slides. So you can click on here. This link will take you to a 3D model of the house and you can like rotate it around, zoom in, very much like if you like wanted to buy the house, you could kind of walk in and take a tour. So, but I wanted to show you that we have a living room over here on the right. We have an office here on the left. On the second floor, we have three bedrooms, two kids' bedrooms, as well as a bedroom in the back. Uh, in the basement is where we keep all of our equipment, heating, cooling, water heating. And in the, in the house is a family of four. So we don't actually have people living in there. They are electric heaters that turn on and off according to a schedule. So if you are in the, in the living room watching TV, then the heater is on in there simulating you sitting in the living room watching TV. And let's say you decide now it's time to go upstairs and do your homework then the heater in the living room would turn off, then the heater upstairs in that bedroom would turn on. So you travel pretty quickly in this house. Once, you're, once you leave a room, you arrive in a second room and the heater's turned on. So there is a question about, is the house heated during the winter? Yes, it is heated in the winter. It is cooled in the summer, but because it's so well insulated, think of it, think of this house as wearing a really thick uh, down jacket in the winter. It doesn't need a lot of electricity to keep it warm because it is so well insulated. Same thing in the summertime, because it's so well insulated, all the cool air stays in the house and doesn't leak out. So again, I invite you to click on this, click on this button when you get the slides so that you can see the tour of the house by yourself. So I wanna talk about electricity and if you got the handouts, feel free to get them. Otherwise, get a piece of paper and something to write with. We're gonna do a little bit of fun math. I promise you that it will be fun. Uh, and then when I come back, I will answer the question in the chat about moles. So you got your paper and your pencil or pen ready, and I am going to go get my special guest ready to come on. We can't do it. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Oh, okay, good, good. I don't, I'm not a mime. I'm just a special guest. Let me move <laughs> the camera. Okay, so what I have here is a light bulb demonstration to show you all the, how electricity works, how cost works. So, what we use to measure electricity is something called a watt meter. So on this, on this surface, you're gonna see how many watts each light bulb, each light bulb uses. All right, so the first light bulb we have over here, you probably can't tell the difference because they're all kind of bulbous and white, but this one is called an incandescent light bulb. So these are really old style light bulbs. If you moved into an old house, if your grandparents maybe have some light bulbs in their house still, they might be incandescent. So I'm going to turn this, turn this light bulb on and I'm going to hold the watt meter to the camera and you're going to type in the chat or write down on your piece of paper. What's, what's the number you see? How many watts does this 
light bulb consume? All right, I'm going to open the chat just to see if everyone can see it. All right, does everybody see the number 79? Yeah. Okay, 79 watts, okay? So that's the incandescent light bulb. It's getting hot too. I'm gonna start sweating. All right, Sarah, Sarah and Joseph say 79. Awesome, okay. The next light bulb we have over here, this is called a CFL, compact fluorescent light bulb. This one looks like a light bulb, but you might notice these around your house. They look like little spiral, spiral light bulbs. And they're called CFLs, compact fluorescent light bulb. So I'm going to turn on this one and show you how many watts does the CFL consume? What do you guys, what do you see in there? Is it back? It's not backwards, is it? No, it's not backwards. Okay. All right. All right. So Joseph says nine. Awesome. Joseph, you're going to get a gold star for participation. All right. So if everyone remembers the incandescent was 79, the CFL is nine. So I'm going to turn that off. And this last one over here, can, can anyone guess this last light bulb over here? What kind of new technology? Fluorescent. So this middle one was fluorescent. This okay. one's like new technology. Like everything is this technology now. It's three letters. You might see it on Christmas. Like, ah, yes, that's right. Oyena Slovena. Thank you. LED, which means light emitting diode. So this one is LED. So I'm going to turn that one on. Ooh, that one's also bright. And let me show you how many watts it consumes. Can everybody read that? Yes, I see eight in the chat. That is correct. So you're probably wondering, okay, let's review. Incandescent was 79 watts. CFL was nine watts. And LED was eight watts. So let me ask you, which light bulb saves the most energy? LED. Excellent, the LED saves the most energy, but let's talk about cost, okay? I want you guys to put in the chat how much, oh, LED stands for light emitting diode. Light emitting diode. So I'm gonna ask you to put in the chat, guess there's no wrong answer, except I do know the answer. How much do you think an incandescent light bulb costs? I'll give you a hint, it's, uh, it's less than $10. Seven. Okay, so Joseph thinks this costs seven dollars. Who 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 thinks it's less than that? Three dollars from David. All right, Sarah says three dollars. The answer is about a dollar. So these light bulbs are super super cheap. Okay, so you remember that a dollar for a light bulb. Okay, now these are CFLs, and of course you know prices keep changing. These keep dropping. But at the time I purchased these a few years ago, this CFL was, let's say it was $5, okay? $5 for that CFL. Do you guys wanna guess how much the LED was when I bought it five years ago? It's more than 10. Go ahead, guess. It's, there's, 15. There's no penalty for wrong. 15, all right, Joseph says $15. David says 10. 
This was actually 20 some dollars for one light bulb five years ago, but they're not as expensive anymore because people are using them. So I would say that the cost of this one is still probably a dollar, this one five, and this one maybe slightly more, but you of course can go to Lowe's and get like a four, like a two pack of these for $10 or maybe even $3 now. So don't quote me on the prices. But let's talk about how long these light bulbs last, okay? Well, actually first, let me ask, since this costs a dollar, this costs $5 and this one costs $7, which one would you wanna buy? If you had to go out and buy light bulbs right now, which one of these three light bulbs would you buy? CFL. Okay, so Joseph wants a CFL. Who else has, who else has an opinion? Okay, Oyen says LED, Sarah says LED. Ah, I wonder why they say that. Let's talk about how long these, let's, let's see how long these light bulbs last, okay? So this one lasts about 10,000 hours of continuous lighting, okay? How long do you think the CFL lasts? Longer or shorter than the incandescent? Longer. Longer, how much longer do you think? I'll give you a hint. It is tens of thousands. So if this is 10,000 hours, how many do you think this is? Sixty thousand, fifty thousand. You guys are really. You guys must have. You guys must have looked this up. It is fifty thousand hours. Awesome. That's really good. Now let's talk about the the LED. How long do you think this one lasts? A lot. KT says. KT says five thousand. Pretty good. Pretty good. But this one's already ten thousand. So this one's going to be a little more. So David says a hundred. A hundred hours. That's it. Oh, hundred thousand. Okay, good. Selena says 200,000. Good job. I think the answer, because I did not bring my notes, I think it is 100,000. So remember 10,000, 50,000, 100,000. Now, which one do you want to buy? Okay, Joseph changes answer LED. You want to buy the incandescent? It costs not very much, a dollar, but it uses 79 watts of electricity. This one costs about $5 and used about nine watts of electricity. And this one costs $8, but uses only eight watts of electricity, okay? So if you guys did some math, you could find out that buying this one is actually gonna be cheaper in the long run because if this one is 100,000 hours and this one is 10,000 hours, how many of these do you have to buy to equal this number of hours? 100,000 divided by 10,000 is what? Did you say 10? Yeah. Did you say 10? I think, is that right? Or is it 100? 100,000 divided by 10,000. Yeah, it's, I think it's 10. Sarah, help me out here. <laughs> it's, it's 10. <laughs> it's 10, awesome. So you have to buy 10 of these, you have to buy 10 of these light bulbs in order to, in order to, replace just one of these. So if you bought 10 of these, what's 10 times one? 10. 10, good. And, and, if this one's, and if this one's only $8, how much is that? What's one light bulb times eight? Eight. Eight, awesome. So $10 versus $8. And that's just the cost of the light bulb, not the cost of electricity. 
Okay, so that's a whole other math problem that you can do on your own. All right, so before we go back to Dr. Ng and talk about filtration and ventilation, does anyone have any questions about electricity and saving electricity? All right, good. So next time you go to the store, things might cost more expensive, but because they save electricity, it might work out for you in the long run because you got to pay for the light bulbs as well as electricity to run for them. All right, so you sit back there, maybe go get a drink of water. I will be right back with Dr. A. All right, we are back. Let me share my PowerPoint once again. Okay, so we talked about, here we go. We talked about how much incandescence and CFLs cost. We talked about how much this costs. Now, uh, my numbers, I said earlier, were a little bit off, but you know, they're pretty close, a dollar, two dollars and five dollars. Okay, and then we measured the watt meter. And we wrote down the watts of each of them. So the incandescent was the most, CFL is in the middle, and the LED is at the bottom. And then we have this lovely matrix about, oh, my numbers are wrong, 1,000 hours, 10,000 hours, and 50,000 hours. But you can do your own math if you want to see how much does one incandescent light bulb versus one LED cost you. So you do 50,000 divided by 1,000, which is 50 light bulbs. So you need 50 of the... 50 of the incandescent light bulbs to equal one LED. And then you can talk about how much it costs in terms of buying light bulbs. It would be $50 to buy incandescents to replace and just one LED. So remember, we the balance cost and power use when we're making decisions about saving energy. All right, so let me ask you, I already asked you earlier, but how many of you went outside today? Okay, I think, uh, Anybody went outside today? For how long did you go outside for? An hour? Good job. Good job, Joseph. That's really good. I did not go outside today except for 10 minutes to let my dogs out to pee. All right, KT went out for two hours. All right, that's awesome. I'm going to go out after this. So did you know that on average, Americans spend 22 hours a day outside? I mean, inside their houses? That's 90% of the day. Okay, so we spend so much time indoors, we should really care about the air that we breathe. Okay, so everybody, we're gonna do a little exercise. Everyone take a deep breath and tell me what you smell in the air. Do you smell air fresheners, your lunch, something else? Perfume, not much, good, good. You know, if you wear perfume, that is totally okay. Something that you like, something that brings you joy. Other people don't like smells. Some people smell dinner, awesome. All these smells come from, you know, perfumes, food, the clothes we wear, the shampoo we use. But me, I'm very sensitive to smells, so I like to smell nothing. And that's typically what the outside smells like, even though outside might smell like pollen and flowers. If you spend enough time outside, it kind of smells like nothing. 
And that's kind of what we want to do when we bring outside air or ventilate indoors is we bring that outside air inside. So how can we make the inside air cleaner or improve it? One, we can open the windows. You know, you don't want to open it when it's freezing cold outside, but as the weather gets better, we can open doors and windows and let that wind go through our house, through our schools. We can also add filters. So what I have here, this is my house filter. Okay, it's still in the bag, it's still new. Okay, you see that it has, it has folds in here. And what it does is the air goes this way through it, all the dust and particles get trapped on this, and then they come out the other side clean. So Joseph says, yes, you have these. You should have these in your home. Now, some homes, they have smaller air filters. This one is five inches thick. Uh, that's because I live in a slightly newer home. And this one is rated right here. This one is rated, oh, it's kind of big. It's rated MERV 13. So you might have heard this MERV word thrown around. So I'm gonna talk about what MERV means in a minute, but filters are good because they research, all the air recirculating in your house picks up dust, dirt. For me, it picks up my dog's hair. And that way I don't have to rebreathe it in later. So let me ask you, has anyone ever changed a filter before in their house? All right, so Joseph has, awesome. It's a good idea to change your filter because once they get really dirty, the air can't go through them as fast. And they might actually push dirt out the other side back into your system. So you wanna change them often. I change them about three to six months. Another way to improve our air indoors is to think about the air fresheners and the things that we use like burning candles. Now. I'm not saying don't burn candles or use air fresheners because certainly I have done that in my house, but it's very limited. And that's just because I've become sensitive to the smells. But just understand that everything that has a smell is a chemical and candles, they emit smells, but they also emit particles. And that might not be good if you suffer from asthma or other breathing problems. Also, another type of filter is one of these. Anybody know what this is? A medical mask. Yeah, it's a mask. A mask is a filter. Okay, so it's it's made up these tiny little holes in there. The air gets through, but then particles get trapped here. And these are good for if you're like cleaning or working on carpentry, but also good during the pandemic because it stops particles from going through. And viruses are small, but they typically take a ride on particles to get anywhere. So while these aren't small enough fine enough to filter out viruses. They're small enough to filter out particles which carry the virus. All right, let's keep going. All right, so Oyen has to go. Hopefully we'll see you another time. So I'm gonna show you, this is a diagram of an air handling system. You might find these at your school. <clears throat> so what happens is air comes in here from all the classrooms, return air. Outdoor air comes in over here on the left. And then there's a filter, whoopsies, go back. So you see this, this, this zigzag thing, that's the filter. And so a lot of people are talking about upgrading these filters so that they can trap more particles. 
So that's the, what their filter is talking about. And then this clean air, this filtered air, then comes back into your classroom and the whole cycle is repeated again. So you, when you might hear like, let's increase filtration. That means taking this filter out and replacing it with something that can trap more. How about outdoor air? Increasing ventilation means bringing in more outside air to dilute your indoor contaminants, which can be CO2, the virus, or things like uh, chemicals you make, chemicals you use when like painting or cleaning. So portable air cleaners have a HEPA filter in them. Who's heard of HEPA before? Anyone heard of HEPA before? I feel like I've heard it before. Yeah, HEPA is definitely one of those things. It's very um, high efficiency. It traps 99.97% of particles. They often come in these small units that you can put in your house. And we don't, we don't typically put these in systems that are this big because it takes too much fan power to push air through them. So typically you see it in these small units. Also, central systems have filters of varying efficiency, and that's where you're going to hear of all these MERV numbers. So minimum efficiency reporting value. It's just a way to make sure that what you say your filter is, your filter is. It's just a way to label them. So like I said, my filter in my home is MERV 13, and it was MERV 13 when I bought the house, so it's not like I just willy-nilly upgraded my MERV filter. We don't want to do that because the fan have to push so hard that it can't get any air through the through the filter and that might damage the fan. So we definitely don't want to make upgrades to our systems without consulting a mechanical engineer. So all you're going to hear all these different numbers in the maybe you'll hear like Asher says MERV 13, MERV 13. Uh, so that's kind of what we want all schools to be at. And of course, not all schools can be at MERV 13, and that's because of the age of the system and the capability of the system, whether or not the system can, whether or not the system is even there in order for a filter, be, filter to be put into there. So MERV 6 to MERV 13 is kind of where generally a lot of system filters do lie. And the, see, as I said earlier, Ashery does recommend MERV 13 or better, but consult your engineer. They know best about the system. So you all are in the Montgomery County system. I have included this link, which goes to one of the pages at MCPS, and it lists all the schools in the county and rates each of the HVAC systems <coughs> on a four-diamond system. Now, four doesn't mean better or worse, it just means that it has been a newer system, it doesn't need as many upgrades. A three means that it does have enhanced ventilation, but there's still things they could do to supplement uh, that running. Two, two diamond schools are systems with, with older systems and that maybe need to be retrofitted or modified to come to, to kind of run the best it can be. And some schools are one diamond, which means that they don't have any large mechanical system that can be upgraded, and they're going to rely on these small HEPA units that I showed earlier. So you can go to this website and you can find your school, you can find out the HVAC scenario at your school, whether or not they upgraded or changed the filter, whether or not they installed an air cleaner, and when they plan to reopen the building. Um, a lot of them, as you can see, are in progress or date not set.
So I am in the Poolsville uh, school cluster. And so you can see my elementary school is a three diamond. The filter has already been replaced or upgraded. Uh, and then the middle school and high school are both two diamond systems. They are older schools. Um, so I'm not surprised that they are two diamond schools and that the filter installation is in progress as well as the air cleaner. Now I am part of a committee uh, as a parent volunteer to look at this chart to maybe provide more information. We don't want to um, we don't want to overwhelm people with information, but we do want them to have as much information as they would like. So we talked about saving energy. That's something you can do. You can you can you can help your parents decide on better light bulbs. You know, LED technology is awesome. They're not all just bright white anymore. They can be more warmer colors. They save less electricity over time and you don't have to change them as often, which is great because you know, how many light bulbs or how many engineers does it take to change a light bulb? You ever hear that joke? I don't know. I don't know the answer. Uh, so turn off unused appliances. So like me, I have my phone charged, but I could unplug it when it's fully charged. I could unplug the plug, turn off the TV when I'm not watching it. We can improve the air we breathe by bringing in more outside air. So in your home, that's like opening windows. Uh, if you have a central system, you can turn it up. We can also improve filtration as long as it's good for the system. Don't improve filtration without knowing that first. And then lastly, to remove sources. So if you're bothered by smells, remove them or reduce their use. And one thing I do want to say is we can't do everything. You know, the world that we live in is not going to be perfect. The buildings that we live in and work in aren't going to be perfect, but we can all do something. And lastly, I do want to say there's nothing that is completely safe or completely healthy. So you as you as the MCVS community have to determine whether or not you feel like your school is doing the best that it can to provide as safe an environment as possible, given that the limitations of their system. Um, and you can look at the chart, you can ask your, your, your administrators about what's in there because um, they'll have the most up-to-date information. Okay, so that is it. I left my email address there. I'll stop sharing my screen. Uh, thank you for your time. Does anybody have any questions before we go? Someone did ask about mold earlier. So unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, we haven't seen mold in the Zero House. Thank you, Slovena, for the applause. We haven't seen mold in the Zero House, but if we did, we would try to find the source, remove it. Thank you, Jeffrey, for the applause. Uh, but no, we, we control humidity pretty well there, so we don't have mold growth. Uh, but where you would find mold growth is if you have leaky, um, leaky, leaky somethings, leaky roofs, um, and also in basements. So I monitor my basement hum humidity with a little cheap sensor I bought on Amazon just to make sure it doesn't go above 60, uh, 65 in the summertime for too long a period. If it, if it jumps up to 60 because it's raining outside, that's fine. But I don't want it to be like 60 or 80 all the time. Thank you very much, Katie, for the smile and for the applause. Let's see. All right, so no one has any questions. Sarah, do you want to say something before we go? Okay, mm -hmm. so if there are no questions, also, I just, I mention this every time, but if you guys like think of a question afterwards, just feel free to email me and I can forward your email out. Well, so if there are no questions, thank you so much for presenting to us. Amazing presentation again. We thank love you. It. I really appreciate you all coming back at 4.30. You know, you guys, gold stars, okay? <laughs> Bye. Well, have a good afternoon, everyone. Bye. Bye.